Guess what we're talking about today? Traveling. Close. <laughs> hey, it's summertime. In case you didn't know it, last weekend, the official start of summer, and we're excited about that. And as a nation, for many families, many individuals here in America, that means summer vacations, summer staycations. Uh, if you're really cheap like me, it's just a short-term travel weekend somewhere. Uh, but the point is that domestic leisure travel is going to happen and what you need to know about that, I feel, is that it has increased by 2% in 2018. That means basically 1.8 billion individuals have traveled in 2018. That number is only going up. And that's just in America. That's not international travel. That's just in America. Leisure travel accounted for 80% of all domestic travel in 2018. And not all of them are flying either. Road trips represented some 22% of vacations taken by our travelers back, and that was in 2015. And then in 2016, it went up to 39% of travelers. Nearly 14 million more vacations were taken within the United States during this past year compared to anywhere else into any other country. So today, all that means this. 88% of Americans' vacations are right here. Nobody leaves. And you know what that means? Um, that means we're about 88% more wrong turns. <laughs> yeah, 88% more are we there yet? 88% more, I'm not lost, we're just taking the scenic route. Conversations. You know who you are. <laughs> Actually, thanks to our little friend, the cell phone, pretty much every one of us has a GPS of some kind, right? It's in your pocket, most of us have it. So, uh, our kids today will never have to experience the joy of a map, pulling off to the side of the road, hold the flashlight in your teeth, folding it out, looking for the highlighted route from this trip, not the one before, okay? You guys don't know what you're getting into. I kind of like that. I particularly, I love my GPS. I use the Waze app, W-A-Z-E. By the way, quick shout out to my fellow Wazers, okay? If you know, you know. If you don't know, sorry, you're missing out. What I like about Waze, it's one of my favorite apps. It's not boring, okay? It's not like, boo, left turn, okay? It's not like that. It's fun. You can get different uh, directions in different languages. You can get them in different uh, dialects. You can get them from different celebrities. Hey, during Christmas time, drives my family nuts, I get GPS directions from Santa Claus, all right? I'm not kidding. You start off the trip and he says, on Dasher, on Dancer, on Prancer and Vixen. It's like, yeah, that's a road trip right there. My favorite, though, that I'm, I usually prefer to get my directions from Waze, from the Wally Show, from Way FM, and, and it drives most people nuts, but I'm not normal. When, when they travel, they're fun to travel with you, because you, you start off and, and they start just hollering out random things that you would, you know, uh, you know they're like, a water bottle, check, uh, you know, gas, check, duck call, duck call, you know, it's just that kind of stuff. Uh, but also, when you make a wrong turn. It doesn't just say, make a U-turn, or it, it's, it says, <laughs> hey, rerouting, you done messed up now, Aaron, which I think is funny, and I didn't even know where it was from for a long time, but point is, the Wally Show is the way to go. If you have ways, you can download the Wally Show. They will give you directions. They don't tell you, take this exit. They say stuff like, keep to the left, to the left, to the left. They sing it out to you. There's no boredom here. They call you regal names like governor when they tell you to go somewhere. It's great. Love the Wally Show. Dylan's favorite on that one is um, 
in two shakes of a lamb's tail, that's ah, about a half mile. <laughs> Turn right. It's, it's great. You need this. We need direction. Well, last summer on a road trip with the family and, and the Wally show, of course, Mitzi and I got to talking about rerouting, that word rerouting. And, and she, she and I started talking about how all through the Bible, God rerouted his people. And we thought it would be fun uh, to do a summer series. So today, you guys are all in luck. We're starting a summer series that basically every Sunday is a standalone series. So if you're out traveling and you miss one, it's okay. When you reroute and come back, you'll get to hear the next one. Uh, but it's rerouting lessons learned from traveling the ancient world. Now, that being said, I, I, I talked to our design people. I said, hey, I want this old school map with all kinds of... I think this is one of my favorite things we've ever done. But then I walked in here this morning and I said, the, the whole focal point of, of all of these sermons is that when we allow him to be, God is our true north. And I walked in this morning and I see this painting with, with, with the world and Jesus on the cross and the, the north at the top. And I was just like, ah... That's it right there. We can all go home now. God's our true north. When you mess up, he's going to reroute you. We need the praise team to come forward. No, I'm kidding. Don't. I've got like an hour and a half to to share with you today. There's good stuff in what I'm going to share with you today. We're going to look at some different stories all summer long uh, from the Bible. We're going to see how God rerouted his people and how it always turned out for their own good. We're going to start off like any good story in the beginning. And, and we're going we're gonna to spend our time here today in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. So you can turn there, you can hold your Bible, you can get it ready, but we're going to bounce around Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, and, um, and we're going to see what God did with Adam and Eve. We're going to talk about creation, we're going to talk about Adam and Eve, and I'm going to focus on a couple of things as we kind of go through this story, if you will, in these first three chapters of Genesis. Here's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the blessing, we're going to focus on the warning, we're going to focus on the wrong turn, because... That's what makes it, you know, the whole brings everything together. You've got to have a wrong turn in order to get rerouted. In that wrong turn, this specific story, there's a curse, and then there's a rerouting. So it starts like this. It starts in creation. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You're going to get my, um, my version of that, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase up to um, where we're going to start out. But most of you are familiar with the creation story. God created the heavens and the earth. Um, God said, let there be light. There was light. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters uh, from the waters. And he called the expanse heaven. Okay, so God spoke. God said, let the waters under heavens be gathered together into one place. Let dry land appear. And it was so. He called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which there is seed each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. I love the creation story because every time God says something, it's followed up with, it was so. It wasn't halfway done, it was done. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and it happened. God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. That's why I don't go out very deep in the ocean. Living creatures, all right? There's creatures, not just fish, there's creatures. Mitzi made me watch this show about the USS Indianapolis. <laughs> it was a movie about the USS Indianapolis. And, and we're leaving for Florida in a few weeks. And I'm like, I'm not leaving the hotel. <laughs> I love the beach, but I'm not getting in the water now. Those guys, there's sharks everywhere. All right, so creatures. Uh, they swarmed. Um, and, and then he said, let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Uh, and it was so. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind livestock 
creeping things. I don't know where my Sunday school class is, but they're all boys, uh, second grade and under. They would love the creeping things part, okay? We, if there's a spider in my room, there is no lesson that day. <laughs> they love that stuff. Beast of the earth according to their kind, and it was so. Then God said this, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over creeping thing, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish and the sea over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in it is in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life I have given Every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. So, wrap that up real quick. God created everything, including Adam and Eve. And he gave them the very best. Adam and Eve had no worries. They, they even walked and talked with God. Where he had placed them, essentially, was paradise. Well, almost paradise. You see, God gave them a warning. The only thing they had to do was to honor this warning. The warning comes in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through... um, uh, I'm going to read verses 8 through 9, and then we're going to skip down. So here it is. Here's the warning. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then we're going to skip to verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden, to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, I want to look at what Adam and Eve got to do. Okay, They got to live in this place, this paradise, where everything they needed was there, rent-free. They they didn't want for anything. It was there. They had to tend to it. They They had to do a few things, but it wasn't hard. And they got to live in paradise. They got to eat from every tree in the garden including the tree of life. They got to eat from the tree of life. Just one thing they couldn't do, they couldn't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this is where the wrong turn happens. You see, this is what we do. God says to us as Christians, here's all these things you get, but we want to go over here to the one thing that we we shouldn't be messing with. And we want to get real close to it. And then all of a sudden it gets all over us and we don't know what to do. And that's what happens here in the garden. You see, at Adam and Eve, They're not supposed to eat this fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what happens? The serpent shows up. He tempts Eve. She's by herself. And he says to her, he lies to her, he says, surely you won't die. He says, 
you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. Listen, did you remember the, 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 the first verse about creation of man and woman? What did God say about creating man and woman? Let us create them in our image. They were already created in the image of God. And, and the snake, the serpent, the, he's lying. He's twisting things around. And he says, hey, surely you won't die. The problem is there's casualties of sin. The casualty of sin for Adam and Eve started with their human relationship. They eat this fruit, this forbidden fruit, and they realize all of a sudden the knowledge of good and evil, and, and they have no more trust. They're vulnerable. They realize they're naked, so they, so they have no trust. They don't trust each other. They're vulnerable. So they, they make clothes out of leaves, which probably wasn't all that comfortable. The second thing that's lost, another casualty to their sin, is the intimacy between God and these two humans, Adam and Eve, is lost. They used to walk with God, but here, as God comes into the garden, it says he's walking in the cool of the evening, and he calls out to Adam, and they hid from him. And he said, we hid because we were naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? And then Adam did what any good Christian man would do, and he blamed his wife. Well, she ate from that tree that we weren't supposed to eat from, and then she cooked dinner and made me eat it. That's essentially, it's not exactly what it, how it's said, but you can read it. But, but he started, they start playing this blame game. And then he says to Eve, he looks to Eve, and Eve goes, well, the serpent, he tricked me. He made me eat it. And nobody, nobody wanted to take the credit or the blame for this situation. But, but see, that's the problem with sin. The casualty of sin is that, that we, don't, we, we realize our vulnerability. We no longer trust one another. When, when, when I sin or when you sin, we don't trust the people that are around us to, to protect us, to bring us out of that, to help us be accountable. And so we try to just deal with it on our own. And we end up hiding our nakedness. We hide our shame like Adam and Eve. You see, we lose intimacy between God and ourselves when we sin. Because listen, we know right from wrong. We know what we should say and shouldn't say. We know what we should do and shouldn't do. We know what we should watch and shouldn't watch. We know these things. We know the things we should listen to and shouldn't listen to. And when we, when we make a choice to eat that fruit, whatever it is, we begin to destroy intimacy between us and God. And then we blame everybody else. Well, I'm still better than Joe, or I'm still better than then John, or I'm still better. It, we, that's how we justify it. Well, I'm not as bad as those guys. They're really messed up. I'm just a little messed up. So in this particular instance, though, God brings about a curse, a, a, a type of discipline, if you will. And so now, jump with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 14. And, and this is what God says. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now I'm going to pause right there for a second. This is not just a, a discipline to the serpent. You will crawl on the ground and eat dust. But it's also a prophecy about Satan and Jesus. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. With the death of Christ, it was essentially Satan bruising his heel. But with the resurrection of Jesus, he gave a, a death blow to sin, if you will, and bruised the devil's head. Satan did his part in bringing deceit and doubt into Adam and Eve's heart. And so God is letting him know what's coming for him. He's like, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to pay for this. 
And, and then he also continues the discipline in, in uh, verse 16. He says to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Don't read too much into that, men. You're still not in charge. Uh, <laughs> and to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten the tree of which I commanded you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For it is out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. He says, you shall turn back to dust. He tells Eve, you will now experience pain in childbirth. And he tells Adam, you will now have to work for your food from the ground. And you're going to have to work hard for it. See, in tending the garden, it was easy. He went out, you got the low-hanging fruit. And and it was like, oh, this is great. We're having a nice meal. But now he's got to go out. He's got to weed. And he's got to fight thistles. He's got to fight thorns. He's got to do all this stuff. And he's like, hey, you're going to work. And you're going to work hard for your food. But God also has a plan, and this is where the rerouting part comes into play. Here at Genesis chapter 3, verses 20 through 24, look at, look at how this works out. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and Eve, and for his wife, sorry, made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil, Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. So, God's curse... For their sin, they were severe. These curses were severe. These curses are still lasting today. Anyone have a baby? Anyone? Raise your hand. Be proud. If you had a baby, raise your hand. There you go. Hurt, didn't it? Yeah. I had a kidney stone once. They said that was close. I don't know. I haven't had a baby. Pain. Anybody mow the yard this week? Any, any of you foolish men growing a garden with some tomatoes and some beans and some squash? Yeah, enjoy those weeds. You got to work hard for that stuff. The curses for their sin were severe and they were painful for them to hear also. However, Eve's name points to the future generations to come. And in that curse, God points to a salvation through Jesus Christ. And verse 21 reveals that God will still provide It starts with the clothing for Adam and Eve. He knew that their fig leaves weren't going to be adequate for gardening and and doing those things. So, he also knew that they needed to have their nakedness covered as they worked the earth. And in clothing them, God demonstrates that it's right for them to be clothed. And here's the main point of this whole rerouting thing for today. In order to make this clothing of skin, an animal had to die. An animal that did nothing to deserve it had to die. Now, I'm not getting on the PETA train. I'm not going into this, this, you know, oh, the poor animals, because I'm not like that. But you need to understand that. In order to make the clothing, an animal had to die. Blood had to be shed. 
to cover this first sin. An animal had to die. This is the first recorded physical death in Scripture. Even of an animal. No death is explicitly recorded in the beginning of Scripture until after human sin. So not only were they the ones to introduce sin into the world, but they did indeed introduce death. Satan said to them, surely you will not die. And it wasn't that they would take a bite and die right that minute, but they no longer have access to the tree of life. They no longer have access to living longer. And so at that moment, they began to die. But they introduced sin into the world and they introduced death into the world. Because even, through, even though their death wasn't immediate, their sin brought death. And it was God himself who, who takes the animal's life to provide warmth and covering for the humans. Later on in Genesis, if you read through that, you'll, begin to re, uh, you'll see that God began to require the sacrifice of animals to provide a blood covering for human sin. And eventually, in the New Testament, it will be Jesus himself who would bleed and die and be our sacrifice to provide a final covering for the sins of all who would trust in him for salvation. Now, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your life. And I don't know what serpent is tempting you, so to speak. I don't know what, uh, what lie you may have bought into, like Adam and Eve. I don't know what, what fruit is there. Maybe, maybe you're hearing some of these same things as you're being tempted with stuff. Surely you won't die. No one will know. No one will get hurt. It's, it's just one. Hey, you deserve this. They don't, need, they don't need that money. They're the government. Everyone does it. It's okay. I don't know what lie maybe you've bought into like Adam and Eve, but I know this. When we mess up in life, our God who is loving and just will reroute us. I also know this. Yes, there may be some discipline involved in the rerouting. There may be some some pain involved in the rerouting. It's not as simple as make a nearest U-turn. Rerouting is not always that easy. Sometimes it's hard. Have you ever been really lost like in downtown Atlanta? You're driving on the expressway and all of a sudden you're behind the football field and you're like, how did I get here? You're laughing because some of you have been there. It's not just me. Rerouting is hard in some places, especially when it's places you've never been. And most of us, if we've got some sin involved in our lives, it's places we don't just go all the time and we got caught up in something. It's time to reroute. I know this. When we mess up, our God who is loving and just, He will reroute us. Yes, there's going to be discipline. Yeah, there's probably going to be pain. And you may need to make a sharp U-turn. Maybe you need to slowly just back away from something that you're about to get involved in. Maybe there's some low-hanging forbidden fruit in your life and you're kind of going back and forth as to whether or not you should pursue that. And yeah, it's pleasing to the eye. And at first taste, it may even be amazing. But if you don't allow God to reroute you, I promise you this, that by the time you get to the third or fourth bite, it's, it's beginning to turn to ash in your mouth. I guarantee you, at the point of God speaking to Adam and Eve, if they could spit that back out, they would have. As we come to our response time this morning, I want you to think about your life. Think about your family. Think about your friends. Think about your job. Think about your internet time. Think about your Xbox life. Think about the way you talk to people. Think about the way you talk with your husband or the way you speak to your wife or the way you talk in front of your kids or the way you talk to your kids. Because I really think if we all take a good, honest look at our lives, we'll find something that we need to turn away from. And you don't get to say, well, I'm, I'm doing better than John. 
because most of you probably are. <laughs> you don't, stop it. Except for Brandon, he's not. But you don't, you don't get to, we don't get to put it against the people in the room. We need to find, we will find that there's something we need to turn away from. Something we need to be better at. Something we need to do less of. We will see that we're in need of rerouting. I don't know what you need to do differently to allow yourself to be rerouted. But I know that when the Lord reroutes you, it's for your own good. And ultimately, it's for His glory. It might be to protect you from something. You don't know what's going to happen because of a a decision or something you're going to make today. So he may be rerouting you to protect you from something. It might be he's rerouting you to protect your family from a mistake that you're about to make. It might be to teach you a lesson. It might be because you're on the wrong path to begin with. But it's always for our own good. Don't let a new route or God rerouting you cause you to grow frustrated with God or to quit your journey with him. Keep on going. You'll get back on the correct route. Share your journey with the people that are around you. Allow people to celebrate with you when you get there. Allow your CPR group, allow your Christian brothers and sisters to pray for you and encourage you along the way when you're struggling with the direction of your life. Because when you finally get there, when you cross that line, when you reach your destination, it will be all worth the difficulty you're going to face during your journey here on earth. When you get to the end, if you will, There will be a host of witnesses there to congratulate you for finishing well. You will even be rewarded with eternal life with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And your journey will not actually be at its end, but your glorious journey will be just beginning. Think about these things as we stand and sing our response song. Consider this morning what you need to do to allow God to reroute you and respond to God's word accordingly. Will you sing this song with us?